0: going back to our salvations and so forth, the things that have happened to our lives uh, are, are uh, very amazing. You know, I met Jeannie, uh, she brought Bibles to the underground church in Russia, you know that, 1974. And uh, so, uh, like we've said before, revival, Jesus revolution, the campus of SDSU. So I get saved and so forth. And then think about meeting this girl who went on this trip and uh, then met her. And uh, of all things, we met in a cafe, so I, I'd never met her, but we met, I'd heard about her. We met in the cafe, and we're, we're there. she's with some people in a booth, and I'm with someone in, in a booth here. And then they come over and join our booth. I'm, I'm with another girl. We pray for this. They come over and join us, and we pray for this girl in the booth that I'm with for her to get saved. And then as we're walking out of this restaurant... Well, you probably remember Gus Liebelt. Do you remember Gus Liebelt, you know, at King's Food Host? And so that's the kind of old restaurant where you pick up a phone to order and uh, uh, call in to order. And so uh, we walk out, and and so then I got her phone number, and so the rest is history. But she could talk about, uh, I just wanted to hear about the supernatural work in Russia that uh, happened. You know, supernaturally blinded the guards of all these communist guards, everybody had their suitcases, took razor blades, slit them open, looking for contraband, and Jeannie's holding 50 pounds of Bibles, lugs it up on this conveyor belt for customs, and they look at her passport and her visa, they stamp it, and hers was the only one in her line not opened. Not opened. All they had to do is open it up and they'd find the Bibles. Russian Bibles. And uh, that was the case for seven of them that went in each line different, and none of them, of all the people, the only ones, that didn't have their bags checked, and then carried their Bibles and delivered them to the underground church in Russia. Really, really quite remarkable. In fact, she preached and sang in Kiev, which is now Ukraine, she's been there, and all those little places around there, St. Petersburg and Moscow and so forth like that, so... So, you know, I'm introduced to her and so forth. And then before we got married came this opportunity for me to go to Asia. And so I I thought, you know, uh, you can encourage one another. And so many people have people tell them what you can't do when God would always want to tell you what you can do. And God would want to always encourage you to walk through doors. And so a door opened up for me to go to Southeast Asia. Of course, I'd never been out of the country. And, uh... Uh, to go to the Philippine Islands, and then it turned out to Hong Kong, and we, didn't, we had an open ticket. We didn't even know how long we were going to be gone. Of course, my parents were all freaked out, <laughs> like, what are you doing with your life? You know, I just graduated from the university, and now I'm doing this. And, uh, but, but I tell you what, it was just really profound. We were there for weeks ministering the gospel, following open doors to the highest levels of the Philippine government. Wow. And and speaking, remember being at the Vice President's house and it looked like a miniature White House, I mean big place, but and then at a long table, and he had all his servants stand uh, so we could sing to them and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean it's like, wow, you know, I mean, we were just college kids, so you're hard to even appreciate what was really happening. But we walked through those doors and, and as a result ministered to thousands of people across the Philippine Islands and so, so forth, and met a man at that time was probably the one of the most uh, notable evangelists or missionaries, I should say, in the world, named Brother Andrew. He was, uh, from Holland. And uh, met Brother Andrew, and, uh, you know, you get inspired by his heart. Because for him, there's no closed doors. And he took the gospel to any, any country you can imagine, and brought Bibles in and shared the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, so what, what an experience. What an experience. Amen. So Psalm 27. I'm going to read a few verses, share a few things like this, and we'll end a little early. But it says, I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I tell you what, you can, you can lose heart. If you looked at the world and all the stuff going on, you could lose heart real quick. But hey, you've got to have hope. Say hope. hope. Got to have hope that you're going to see the goodness of God in your time. In your time, in your life, in your circumstances, you want to believe to see the goodness of God. And of course, it says, Wait in the Lord, be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart. And I say, Wait in the Lord. So, I mean, if you do it, waiting is like hopeful expectation. Hopeful that something good's going to happen. And I tell you what, when you just keep your eyes on Jesus, who's to say what God will do? I mean, we talked about doors. You never know what that one door, what else it will lead to until you walk through it. But you've got to walk through it. Amen? You can't, you can't just be sitting and waiting and sitting and waiting. Revival is one of those things that happens in people's hearts. People run all around to find revival. Revival's just in Jesus. It's just simply in Jesus. When you're in Christ, you can live in revival. Amen. You can. You can live with excitement. You can live with hope. You can have hopeful expectation that God is up to something good. And from the beginning of that time, Jeannie and I are getting saved and meeting and so forth. Uh, we get married and we pioneer non-denominational church, which in those days was unheard of. There weren't non-denominational churches. Every church was a denominational church. Now, of course, it's all common. It's actually the biggest thing in the world is non-denominational churches. You could take any denomination. In fact, you could put all the denominations together, as far as evangelical denominations. Non-denominations is the biggest thing in the world. And it all began about the time we stepped out in faith. So, what, I mean, it wasn't us, you see. It one of those Jesus things again. But from the United States, North America, to Africa, to Asia, all over, churches began to mushroom up in that time frame. Wow. Really, really... Uh, uh, powerful white knuckle faith yeah hanging on yeah adventure yeah <laughs> but you know uh folks god wants you to you know you step out the fruit is out the at the end of the branch it's not in the trunk of the tree right. so so when everybody wants to always live in this place of safety and comfort and so forth i tell you what there's something about getting out there and experience something you might make some mistakes here or there well so what Remember, the righteous man is not the sinner, like, like uh, Brother Quincy was saying, too. The righteous man might fall seven times. He just gets back up. But that's where there's excitement. That's where there's something happening that you think, wow, this is, this is powerful. We held, when we stepped out in faith, we held a gospel crusade. We actually did two years in a row. The armory downtown that they're going to uh, remodel now and build a motel, I guess, downtown and so forth. We held two gospel crusades there. And you'd think, uh, you know, we didn't even have anybody in the church hardly, but we put signs across town, and we had uh, some bands come, Christian bands, and led some worship, and, and wow, you know, God moved and touched a lot of people's lives and so forth in those meetings, you know. And, of course, people wondered, well, who's doing this? We, no one ever did this in town. Well, no one ever did, but we did. And uh, uh, God really blessed people. In fact, there was a guy... Uh, that was at that time struggling, him and his wife. They filed for divorce and uh, uh, all these things. He went out on the gravel road. He had his dog. He had his gun. And he had all the plans. He was going to shoot himself in the gravel road south part of town here. And he'd gotten a flyer about the crusade. And uh, so he parked his pickup, contemplating with his gun. His dog's there. And a voice came to him and said, give the crusade a chance. And uh, I he did. He, I didn't know this guy. He came to these meetings and so forth. And a day or two after these meetings, we had lunch. He came to a little luncheon we had and so forth. And he had tears in his eyes to say how he planned to kill himself, but he didn't. Amen. And that maybe there was still hope for his marriage. And there was, and they got back together oh. as time went on. But I think, oh, Lord, I mean, how, how neat is that, you know, that you want to do things like that? Psalm, Psalm 77. Psalm 77. I will remember your works, the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. Now, I just want to say, you've got to remember what God's done in your life. Too many, and that's the thing. So many people never take notes, never write anything down. If you don't do that, pretty soon you're in a tough day and you think, well, the Lord's never done anything, which is a big lie. He's done tons of things. To answer prayer, all the time Is doing things. And I'm not talking about gigantic things, but just things all the time in your everyday life. God bless him. So you've got to remember the works of the Lord. Now, the best way to do that is write it down. Amen? Or record it. If you want to record it, do it that way. But I will meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. So you want to talk about what God has done. I think a lot of Christians, they've succumbed to discouragement and so many things that now... It's like they don't even have a testimony. They think, like, well, are you saved or not saved? If you're saved, you've got a testimony. Amen. And it's as simple as telling people what Jesus did for you. That's right. It's not complicated. It's not like you have to even know. You don't have to know a ton of Bible verse. The Gadarene, the guy delivered a demon Jesus sent him out right away. And he went back to his hometown and told everybody what Jesus did for him. That's right. Not complicated. So we have to remember, though, what Christ has done. Maybe for some people, that was a long time ago. But I always want to rehearse those things. I tell people where I got saved. I tell people the grace of God, the goodness of God. I tell people I knew what I deserved, but I knew what I got. He's good, amen? So you want to talk about things, the answers to prayer. Now, what that does, it helps other people in their lives. Because people will face adversity. You know, our daughter was sick. Well, we share the things we faced so that it can help other people. Isn't that right? There's a lot of politics to get involved in things, but we sent our book one one time to a healing school down at a southern state. And they, they usually take things only from their ministry. And the head of the healing school and the leaders there all said, this is the best book we could have. We could give it to everybody. Except the head of the school said, no, no, we can only have the people who graduated from our school, their stuff. And so they declined and just said, I'm sorry, man, this is the best book that could really help people. Because why? Because not everybody gets healed instantly. You know, I love it when it happens, but that doesn't always happen that way. And so sometimes there's a process of faith where people have to stand in the midst of adversity. So you talk, say talk. Talk. Now, you, you talk to yourself, but talk to other people, too. If you've got to talk yourself happy, talk yourself happy. If you've got to look at yourself in the mirror and tell, tell some testimonies, well, go do that. Don't forget to tell, tell yourself that you're good looking, right? You're good looking, you're smart, all those things, all that stuff, right? You are the God who does wonders. You've declared, you have declared you your strength among the people. Now, he's going to do that through us. He's going to answer prayers, of course, but he's going to declare his strength among people. Amen. You can do more than you realize. Even even after college and so forth, I chose not to go on for a master's degree or anything. I chose not to go on to become a doctor and stuff. And instead, I I worked for a while in business, and then I became a contractor. Of course, it was just a grief to my family, like, No! <laughs> what are you doing with your life? Well, I didn't know. I mean, all I was doing was just just... Earn a living, right? Just earn a living. I learned how to do some things with my hands, work with my hands. I was around building projects, new projects, different things like that. And so then when we pioneered the church and pioneered the ministry, we looked, of course, for years for a building, never could find one. And then and then all the time I, I began finding myself drawing. Drawing on paper and drawing plans and drawing designs and then redesigning and redrawing and so forth. And then seeing someplace and redrawing. And finally, we came to a place where we stepped out in faith for this church and really had the gift of faith because we didn't have all that we needed for that. But the gift of faith, like I just knew that I knew that I knew it's going to happen. And so we had these plans. So I drew the plans. Everything here, everything on the property is stuff that we, that I designed, that I wrote down on paper. Everything from the lights, from the plumbing, from the electricity, from all the dimensions, all the contracts, like, uh, where'd you get all this? I said, the Lord gave all this. And so, so I said, and I go to contractors, you know, one contractor says, wow, well, it's going to cost you a million dollars. Think of that back then, a million dollars, which, of course, we didn't have. And I said, thank you very much. And then I took our plans, and so I went around to other contractors. And I said, uh, here's, here's something here, can you do that? Yeah, I can do that. Where'd you get this? We got it from the Lord, you know. And then had someone from uh, the Twin Cities. Lumberyard had an outlet in the Twin Cities. They put all these plans then on paper, blueprints, they call them in those days. I don't know if they're blue anymore, but anyway, for 500 bucks. And so all the plans were down there and all these subcontractors all came. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, who did that? Well, I can do that. I said, you don't have to change anything. Just do it this way. And we did it for one-fifth of the cost. And, and uh, God just blessed, I mean... Here, here we're in this building, you know, and so forth, and people sometimes wonder why it's warm, and it's like, well, it's warm because I blew in a semi-load of insulation up there. I wanted to make sure it was warm. So I got up there and uh, lost a little weight in the sweat, but blew, so we got mounds of insulation so that the place is energy efficient. Back before the days where it was cool to be green, we were green, and everything worked out really nice, you know. Uh, and it's become functional for everything we do here, from conferences or weddings or funerals or everything like that. It just has become so, such a blessing. And uh, a big kitchen, because you always want a big kitchen, right? Yeah. Psalm 34. Let's look at Psalm 34. David said, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Faith is an adventure. It's, it's, folks, this isn't like a... Like uh, it's, it's a life it's a life you're living, and it's for as long as you live. And who would have thought? I mean, I mean, when we got married, we were thinking about maybe we shouldn't get married. Jesus was coming back so soon. Well, I'm glad we did, and I'm glad we had children, because we debated, like, should we have children, have children, and so forth. But, but it's an adventure that, that now, years later, decades later, you're still going on. I'll bless the Lord at all times, all seasons. That's, you just got to keep praising God. Amen? There's always, there's always adversity because you have an adversary. You will always face adversity. If you want to wait to do something with no adversity, well, then you're just going to be in heaven. Because <laughs> that's when it ends, is when you get there. But on this side of life, everybody faces adversity in different ways, shapes, or forms. But that's just part of living in this world. But the, Jesus said, the good news is I've overcome the world. So you can do it too. Amen? You can do it. So, but you've got to praise him at all, all times. You've got to have praise in your mouth. How often? Continually. Continually. It says, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. I love boasting in what God has done. I love boasting in how he's opened doors. I mean when I think about it, we, we stepped out in faith, so we took a minute. Jeannie went to goes to Russia and she had gone to Mexico prior to that, and and then we go to Southeast Asia. And in the meantime, now it's been twenty-three international mission trips. It's been it's been twelve nations. It's been five continents. I never thought about going to a continent other than the one I was on. <laughs> but now it's been five continents. Now it's been twenty-three international trips. I mean, what's amazes to me how good God is to open doors. And all it is is just walking through another door. There was a time after I came back from Brazil. My kids were uh, coming to the place junior high, going to high school. and mowing the lawn. And uh, the, so I was in Brazil in 1989. We built this in 1990. So I was mowing the lawn. And then the Lord said, I don't want you to go out of the country right now. I want you to be home with your kids. Uh, I, you know the lawnmower is running. I'm stopped in the middle of my lawn mowing, just listening. Here's this clear voice. I said, "Okay, okay." And I went in the house, told Jeannie, "I'm not going anywhere for going anywhere for several years. <laughs> going to be here with the kids, which was good." Amen. Good to be around your kids, isn't that right? Yeah. Uh, and then after that, of course, the Lord opened up again. But 23 trips, 54 pastors' conferences, 23 women live conferences. We started pastors' conferences when. Uh, in 1996, we were meeting with some leaders and so forth. But I thought, wouldn't it be good just to get together and encourage one another? And the church became debt-free, you know, which wasn't long after we built it. And I just thought, we can do this here. We can host this here. And we knew people across our state and across this region. And that's how that started, 54 conferences later. The thing is, now, you know, we're all getting a little older, right? So a lot of our friends are already in heaven. They're already in heaven. They're already there. You know, uh, uh, the challenge is trying to find younger pastors who want some fellowship. That's what Pastor Randon will work on. (laughs) Finding younger leaders. Uh, We need younger leaders, right? To step out, to, to be encouraged, and so forth like that. But I'm just excited about it. You know, we've always thought because we had a mission's heart, we always thought of the world. So we never thought of just a white church. We've always thought of a multicultural church. We've always thought of like revelation of all these people before the throne of God. Amen? Folks, I've known pastors that are very biased (laughs) and have all their uh, things and so forth like that against uh, races and stuff. And I'd always think, no, 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 that's not, you're not right here, you know. It's good, it's good, amen, to see how the world is. And to open your heart to all that God wants to do here, but also in the world. And that's why people, uh, people just come around us from the nations. You know, even Easter Sunday, I we went home quick and hear all these kids from college, from my grandson. So what are they doing? Well, they're reaching out to people. So so, uh, and not just to black people. They're reaching out to other people. So one of the kids that comes home is from the UK who's six six nine or so forth. His reach, his reach went to nine feet. Because wow. I stood there and I'm reaching like this, and his name is Joe, and he's an atheist. And and so and so who brings him home? My grandson. Is he he never he had never been around Easter ever in his life. He's a college kid. And so a basketball player. And so my son, grandson brings him home. Isn't that neat? Back when they came over to the house before Easter, they came over to the house for pizza, and they walk in. And say, oh, you know, of course, we greet our grandkids with hugs, and then the others, you know. And then they said, we heard you we heard your huggers. <laughs> well, that's good. We are huggers. And then I said, I like hugging tall people, you know. <laughs> and and uh, oh, so neat. One guy's name is a nook. And um, he he went to another high school in Sioux Falls, Anuka six eight, and he's uh, African. And he uh, right away notices Jeannie's dress that it's not American. Most Americans are going, oh nice dress, nice dress. Oh, I got it on there. No, he knew right away it was international dress. And so uh, the other kids are going to have pizza. He stops and he just wants to talk about what we're doing in other countries and talk about the Lord. And it was real clear he had a relationship with Jesus. And I thought, oh Lord, this is so good, you know. So, so you take steps of faith. It's an adventure, right? right? It's an adventure. I always tell people this way, as far as Americans, white Americans in particular, when you get together with people, don't talk about yourself. Turn your neighbor and say, don't talk about yourself. <laughs> ask questions. Jesus would ask questions. And, and uh, I want to hear, I always want to hear what, what people's background is or what, what's going on in their life and so forth like that. And, and uh, you learn a lot. You learn a lot by that. Even overseas, we learn a lot. And then it, it pulls people toward you, you know, that pulls them toward you. They, they like you and they want to visit all the more. So, I mean, uh, it's powerful, amen? We, through these doors, thousands of people have come. And people can say, well, then why aren't there thousands of people here? Because we're not trying to hold them into the aquarium. We're trying to release them. We're trying to release people to go and do the work of the ministry. And, and so people have been touched. People have been encouraged. Our church is a uniquely New Testament church. It's set up on a New Testament basis. Now, let me just say this. Most churches are not. And because I say that is because the pastor does everything. So the pastor preaches. The pastor prays for everybody. The pastor does all the work. And that's not New Testament. I mean, you can take people that are got great ministries and so forth. They do most of the work. It's all centered around them. Folks, so it should be all centered around Jesus. That's why we want to train people. Why We want to... Uh, I'm not... Hey, I'm I'm real busy. Okay? I have a lot going on in my life. So it's not like... It's not like, uh, uh, oh, he wants others to preach so he doesn't have to do it. I've got, I've got thousands of messages. It's never an issue of having something to share, all right? But we're trying to train people so they can share, they can pray, they can minister, and in turn, whether they're here or they're someplace else, they can do the work of the ministry. Right. Ephesians 4 says this, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, we've, we've walked now in an apostolic ministry with all the things we're doing around the world, But the purpose is to equip the saints. Amen? We're equipping people to do ministry. Well, you can't, you can't, unless you release them, they're never going to do anything, right? So you have to release people to do the ministry. That means they may, they may share something different, they may pray different or whatever, but you're releasing them, that's how we learn, right? That's how everybody learns, if you never if you never did any if you never got released and all of a sudden you're in front, you'd be like, I don't know what to say, you know. So we're equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I mean we could call it a school of ministry, but in reality it is a school of ministry. We're doing, we're doing these things uh, to help people advance the kingdom of God. All levels. The same like we're praying, like when Wednesdays, we're praying for revival here on Wednesdays. And we're praying for a move of God and praying for young people and old people and different things. Praying for worship leaders, which we need, you know. Praying for media people, which we need. Praying for other teachers, which we need. Because you can only do so much based on who's there and who's willing and available. But for Jeannie and I, we've always been willing and available. You know, we've never had, it's never like, oh, no, no, we can't do that. Oh, no, no, to this or that. No, it's like if I have the time, it's like, hey, I'll do it. I'll step into that. It's like even last week, you know, it's an early morning, so I'm up at five, five in the morning to go to this thing in Sioux Falls and so forth, which I've done before. But here these people buy us a seat at the very front of this place. There's a thousand people here who are at the very front of the place. We just said yes. I didn't ask for a front seat. We just said yes, and I find myself sitting with people up front, people that are the who's who of Sioux Falls, and them knowing my name, me knowing their name, just because we walk through a door, just because we walk through a door. And all of a sudden, where are we sitting? You're at table. Uh, it's one, two. First row, second table. Oh, thank you. Walk through doors. Walk through. That's all life is. Adventure is walking through doors. We didn't plan for all these things to happen. I didn't. I didn't take a missions trip, or Jeannie didn't think, it. "Hey, someday we're going to do 23 mission trips, international trips." Didn't plan for that. Incidentally, it's very tiring, <laughs> and the older you get, the more tiring it is. Oh my goodness! You know, coming home and and uh, after hours and hours and hours, and you just you physically feel. Ah, drink some more water. Drink some more water. You know and. It's tiring. But the rewards are out of this world. Amen. The things you do is out of this world, you know, for the things of God. It's like we did some things again. First time in India to hold a youth conference. Never you been done? And then the next thing you're saying, now when you come back and do this again, we're, all, we're thinking like, maybe <laughs> if God helps us, we will. It's just walking through doors. You don't plan. Sometimes people think, I want a big ministry. I want to do this. No, no, no. Just do little things. Just do little things and walk through the door and just see what God will do. You sit around waiting for big things to happen. You might wait the rest of your life. But if you walk through the door that's in front of you, who knows what the next door might lead to? Don't be picky. You know, just step in to... Jeannie stepped to the piano. We didn't have worship leaders. There was a day we didn't have worship leaders and so forth. And one worship leader, engineer, and he went out to uh, Rapid City and so forth. And she comes up to the keyboard. And she well, don't have worship leaders. And I said, yeah, I know. Either I'm going to pick up a guitar or something else is going to happen. I used to play the guitar at one time. No calluses anymore. Had a 12-string guitar. And then Jeannie goes to the piano and starts looking. And all of a sudden, she could see chords and keys. And she starts... Playing on the piano. Supernaturally. Supernaturally. It was a need. There wasn't anybody to do that, so she did that at that time. We have others to do stuff, but I mean, she did that at that time. Supernatural. You have to be willing to step into a place and say, All right, Lord, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. For as long as you want me to do it. (laughs) It's an adventure. God opens doors, and the ones particular that's set before us. Everybody's different doors, right? So the doors that are set before us. First Corinthians 16:9 says, there's a great door open, effectual door, great door opened. Notice he says, to me. Now, there's an and there. Of course there's adversaries. That goes without saying. But, if there's a door open, first of all, I've got to see it, and then I've got to be willing to go through it. A lot of people, they're not, they're not even looking for doors. They're not even thinking about doors. But you've got to be willing to walk through the door that's there. And if you do, that door will lead to other doors. 2 right. Corinthians, it says, when Paul was writing there, it says, I came to Troas preached to, to preach the gospel of Christ. A door was opened to me by the Lord. So a door is open here again. A door is opened by the Lord. And, of course, he has a choice. you Are going to walk through the door or not? So much has happened in life, myriads of things, but I just think, Lord, you're so good. Now, people are look at me and say, he's 70 years old, he's an old man. I'm 70 years old, won't say I'm an old man. But I will say this, there's doors in front of us. We sat down, I came back from my first trip to India in 2006. And I was in Rapid City, and I sat down with an older couple, And they had been to India once, and they watched the video that I had from India, and they just stared at it, and they said, oh, I said, look, they said, look at that. And I said, now, some of the things are kind of tough, you know. And she said, this lady said her name was Wilma, and she said, oh, I love it. And she said, I want to go back. That was Rand Wilma Phipps, who are now 88, been married for 70 years. But they sat there, and we talked to them. And they're retired; they're in their late 60s. Think of this: late 60s. See, see, you have to sometimes think: what doors in front of you? What doors in front of you? Well, they're in their late 60s, and they didn't look at it like, "Oh, we're we're too old, or it's too late." They walked through the door, and they turned around. And they went back to India. And Ray wrote a curriculum because he's an educator. He was a superintendent of schools much of his career. He wrote a whole curriculum translated into India, Indian language, doing what Jesus did. And he goes and they rent an apartment place. And they find an Indian man that God just knitted their hearts to learn and to train. And they held meetings throughout India and they've established... 2,000 churches. And that all happened after their late 60s. And it all happened because they chose to walk through a door. They chose, didn't didn't say, oh, it's too late for me. No, they chose to walk through a door. I think there's doors in front of all of us. I look at our lives for Jeannie and I. We've experienced some fantastic things. Only because we walk through doors, but those are our doors. Everybody's got doors of different kinds, and you start where you're at—little doors or whatever. You start where you're at. I mean, one of those doors at one time for me was a subcontractor. I walked through the door; I was a subcontractor, making money. Then it went in the ministry and didn't have any money. <laughs> but the Lord provides for us. All these things are available to all people. He is not, God does not discriminate against people to say, well, this person can do this or this person. No, the door is open. If the door there for you, then walk through it. Walk through it. Take advantage of the opportunity. Later, later this, uh, in the next weeks and so forth, we're going to be in some churches in Des Moines, Iowa. It's just a mission trip. It's all interpretation, all that. It's a mission strip, but it'll be a fun mission strip. You know? And, and we're there to encourage, teach leadership and so forth. These are places we've been before. But we will teach and encourage and, and uh, they're blessed. Amen. Walk through doors. Walk through uh, what you've got in front of you right now. And it's as simple as just saying, well, what can I do right now? What can I do right now? Don't make it complicated. Don't make it huge. Just make it simple. And then do that. And then try the next thing. Don't say to yourself, it's too late. Don't say to yourself, if you've got an idea, I can't. You can. Turn to someone and say, you can. <laughs> you can. I understand years ago, Ray and Wilma, uh, Ray said me, he says, I, we're done now. We're not going, we talked and so forth. And he said, we're not, we're not going back just with our health and stuff. And I said, I understand that. You know, Ray was a guy that many years ago had open heart surgery. And then I uh, was contacted one day and he'd had this heart thing again, heart attack thing. And I drove out to Rapid City and he had open heart surgery again. And he died on the table and he came back. And he says, I guess the Lord's not done with me yet, Dave. (laughs) And he was ready to do what? He was ready to go back. Organizing people and doing things. And Oh, Ray, wow, God bless you, you know, for your heart. So the question is, what doors are in front of, say to yourself, what doors are in front of me? What can I do? It's an adventure in faith. God is good. He's got good things planned. And you want to just step out. And let him use you. Amen. Might be praying for somebody. Might be going to the hospital to see somebody. Might be bringing a meal over to somebody. Or just even a a pie to share the Lord with them. Could be all kinds of things. But nevertheless, you want to do... God will work with where you're at. And open doors for his glory. Amen. So I want you to just close your eyes. Father, thank you for doors. Thank you for open doors. Thank you for setting doors in front of us. And Lord, I thank you. You're not done with us yet. <laughs> Lord, with me or anybody here, you're not done with us yet, Lord. That Our work is done when we go to heaven. So, Lord, in the meantime, I thank you for using every person here in mighty ways for your glory and honor, Lord God. That you would bless them to be a blessing. That you would provide for every need that they have to accomplish what you want them to do. Thank you, Lord, as they walk through these doors, great things will happen, I believe, for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We always say this. Uh, if you want prayer, come on up and ask prayer. But you can ask a number of people here for prayer. Amen? If uh, We've already prayed, but if that be the case... God is working. Amen. So bless you. Sunday be a great day here. Amen. And feel free to invite people to be encouraged in the Lord. Amen. Our God is an awesome God. He from heaven above. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616